From the Department of Surgery at the University of Wisconsin, welcome to The Surgery Set. I'm Jonathan Kohler, an assistant professor in pediatric surgery here in Madison, home of the Badgers. This is a podcast all about surgery and the individuals who are at the cutting edge of it, and we're glad you're here. Today on The Surgery Set, my guest is Dr. John Mansour. He's a Wisconsin surgery alum and associate professor in the Department of Surgery and Chief of Surgical Oncology at the University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center. Dr. Mansour conducts research on the genetic analysis of tumors and blood in order to predict a tumor's behavior, how aggressive it will be, and how well patients will tolerate a major operation. He's also part of a national team that measures how well doctors and hospitals are caring for patients with hepatobiliary cancers. But Dr. Mansour was in Madison recently for quite a different reason. He came to visit as our Lewis Bernhardt Visiting Professor, where he gave a Grand Rounds talk on the place of medical professionalism in surgical education a meditation on what it means to be a doctor today, how that's changed over time, and how we can work to be the best doctors that our patients, our families, and ourselves need. Enjoy. Dr. Mansour, thank you so much for joining us here on this surgery set, and welcome back to Madison. Yeah, it's my pleasure. It's great to be back. It's a terrific place. It's always so heartening to sort of see people who have trained here and and been a part of our organization and gone on to become you know, fancy folks elsewhere. So it's <laughs> awesome to, to have you back. We're talking after your Grand Rounds talk, and that centered on something that I think is just so fundamental to what it means to be a surgeon and what it means to be a doctor and what it means to be a professional. So much of what we focus on in our training is, you know, how do you make the technical steps of an operation? What I think we sometimes forget is that that is not the only element of being a surgeon, I think some would argue not even the most important element of right, being a surgeon. Right. Talk a little bit, if you could, about just what professionalism is. Yeah. Professionalism is this contract we have with society. It's this commitment we have to, to our patients, to society at large, to really follow three basic principles. Number one, that every choice and every action we make will be for the welfare of the patient. Mm-hmm. Um, we will not do things that harm the patient. That number two, that will the patients are going to have autonomy whenever possible. Um, that that we want patients to be involved in their decision making. And number three, it's it's even bigger than that. That we have we as as sort of keepers of this profession have an obligation to people we don't see, to society as a whole, to to manage resources wisely, to distribute care justly. These are not just my opinions, my philosophy. It's what we've decided on as a part of our professional code of conduct. And I think what's probably most important about sort of identifying and defining professionalism is it's not just a list of behaviors. It's, it's really identifying with our colleagues in the profession what we want this profession to be, what we want the guiding principles to be. So it's things like being empathetic. It's, it's things like having making ethical choices, being calm in a not calm situation, uh, training people in a way that's responsible. Everybody would agree with all those tenets. That's right, not that controversial. That sounds good, yeah. Anybody, even people who are not in the profession would say, sure, that's what we want doctors to be. The reason why it's so special for doctors is because we are the people who have to meld the day in, day out, nuts and bolts of what it means to be a physician with those very lofty principles. That's what professionalism is. I remember when I was training one of our private practice surgeons, and I know this, he's not the only person who's ever said this, but at my probably third or fourth year residency before I heard this, right, the three 
key elements of a good surgeon are availability, affability, and ability yes. in that order. Yeah. And, and I think it's those two that, in my mind, when I sort of think about professionalism, it's the availability and affability component of what it means to be a surgeon. That's correct. I, I think it, that is part of it, but I think it's actually probably loftier than that. You know, there are really interesting data where they tried to correlate uh, something called Prescani scores, which are, you know, it's ratings of patients mm-hmm. with outcomes. Yeah. And they found that the people who were best liked by their patients weren't necessarily the people who had the best outcomes. In other words, you know, it's not enough to just be the yes man and to say, yes, I'll be there and yes, I will do it. It's not just about agreeability. Mm-hmm. It's about doing the right thing. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so, so yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, it is all of those things. It's not, but, you know, professionalism goes beyond, you know, building a practice. It's part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly people who are professionals um, probably have better luck building a practice. But it's, it's also sort of preserving, you know, I think of it as like you've joined this club. It's up to us to preserve it. You know, we think a lot in medicine about, you know, if you spend enough time in medicine you'll, or talk to enough people who have a few gray hairs, they'll talk about how things are different now, mm-hmm. you know, that we've lost something. I don't know if that's true or not, but I think what they're talking about is this concept of professionalism. That's just that our identity as as surgeons needs to be preserved, and our identity as physicians needs to be preserved. That we're we're doing something special. We're doing something hard. It's difficult to do that. It takes something special to do all those things. Being a surgeon is more than just a list yes. of things that we can do, right? Correct. I can smile at a patient. I can make them feel good. I can do an anastomosis of several different structures. It's not that list. It's an identity. That's right. And so that's hopefully what we can, you know, as we, you know, we talked about this morning was not just, is it important to be professionals? The answer to that is yes, that's not really disputable. You know, society wants us to be different. Society wants us to be the best of the best. They do. And if you you know, look at polls of people, they'll say, you know, that we think physicians are a special breed. We have to earn that. That mm-hmm. nobody that's not disputed, should we be professional. What we talked about this morning was how do we teach people to do that? How do right. we teach them what this these principles are and how to enact them in their day to day lives? In most routine day to day situations, most people will do the right thing. Physicians are not gonna you know, we, we take this seriously. Like we're, we're going to come to work and responsible and, you know, those kinds of things. What we're really trying to train people for are those black swan moments, those extreme situations. You know, how do they handle that stressful situation? How do they handle the conflict, you know, with their personal life and something going on at work? The day-to-day stuff, everybody knows, you know, it's do we give people the tools and the concepts and the principles to make the harder decisions? I think one of the things that I've come to realize as a a junior attending, a couple of things. One is that you don't finish training and a switch flips and magically, (laughs) like, you now know everything about how to be professional and everything about how to be a perfect surgeon, right? And I think coming up, there was always that sort of vision, and maybe it was sort of a you know, defense mechanism. It's like, <laughs> yeah, this, right. this sucks now, but now as soon, like tomorrow when I graduate, I'm going to be perfect and <laughs> it'll be amazing. That's, that's right. Part of my struggle as a junior attending has been realizing like, oh, the difference between the day you finish residency and the day you start attending is 24 hours. And so there's still so much to learn. I tell our trainees, the only thing that changes is the expectations. Right. 
you don't know anymore. It just that one day to the next, but the expectations have changed dramatically. Uh, you better be prepared for that. <laughs> yeah, and there's an expectation, you know, not only that you're going to be perfect in the operating room and that now you're suddenly going to be teaching something you've only just learned how to do, but that you are now going to be a model for professionalism. And I think one of the things that, that you brought up and that I know that I've struggled with and have seen other people struggle with is I feel as though when I think about how professionalism was defined to me as a resident, it was sort of like you will be a warrior monk right? The, the true professional is the warrior monk. The person who is like in the hospital 24 hours a day, seven days a week is like completely unflappable, never has a problem, right? And then the reality, of course, is that I have two kids. I have a life outside. And I think for too long, it, it feels like we defined professionalism as, you know, the, the true professionals are the people who don't let anything else get in the way of being a surgeon, Right? But I think that the reality is much more nuanced and more interesting and more, more exciting in a way. It's like the reality is the true professional is the person who knows how to be in both places and great, present. What a great comment. I, I think you're so right, and it's really well said. You're right. The, the old model was striking the personal side, full separation, complete separate. That was, that was a pro. Try to be a, be a pro about this, right? That was something right. people would say, to be a pro, man. I mean... This isn't about your personal thing. You got to be a pro. And that is true. I mean, that, there are still elements of that, right? That we do expect that people begin a, an operation. You leave behind for those hour, two, six, you leave behind everything else. And it's all about this, right? I mean, that, that is true. We do right. expect that of people. But you're right. It's understanding that there is a whole person who has a set of values that they that makes them actually a better doctor. One of the faculty members who was in attendance uh, at Grand Rounds today stopped me afterwards and said, you know, I find that when I when I sometimes have these tensions between family things and patient things, minor patient things, and I explain that to the patients, the patients often say, oh gosh, yeah, go be with your family. Like patients, I do think, want their physician to be balanced and want their physician to be prepared tomorrow to fight another day. And I think there is a lot of awareness of that of physicians, but it's a really a great comment by you that, that it's, it, it's that, that does feel like it's changed. Yeah. yeah that's interesting. I remember Carlos Pellegrini, who was yes, um, my chair in Seattle, um, you know, great who I guy. thought of as a just consummate professional towards the end of my time, he, he gave a talk about ethics in surgery and, gave it as an, as an example, you know, you've been up all night doing an emergency case on call and you're supposed to start a 12-hour complex elective case in the morning. What is the right thing to do? The old guard folks in the room all said, well, you just do it, of course. And the younger folks were like, no, you tell the patient you've been up all night and like you're not 100% sure that you're going to be as fresh and able to do this operation as if you rescheduled and you know, you have a conversation about like where you personally are in the space of this patient. And it's, it's not that there's one side to this, right? right? That there's a give and take. I think that's a great example and why that's such a great sort of vignette to discuss professionalism is because it really shows you the value of having sort of a construct for this, right? Because you're tired, you know, in that moment, we've all been in that situation, mm -hmm. right? As the tired surgeon. And, and if, you know, you're tired, you're probably not 
making decisions as well as you would first thing in the morning and having a construct to say, okay, what is the, you know, the three principles here are patient welfare, patient autonomy, and uh, social justice. You know, probably there's not a lot of social justice implication here, but what is the best thing for the patient? You know, yes, I may be mocked by my partners, and yes, I, the patient may even be mad about it. Like, the patient may say, oh, I really wish you would just do it. Mm-hmm. Now things are really in tension, right? right? And I've had, I've been in that situation where I've canceled a case and said, I just, you know, that last case I thought would be a three-hour case and it turned into a 14-hour case. I, I can't do this next case. That is not the right thing for you. I could, but it's not the right thing. Right. That's really where having a construct like this and, and talking about these things, not just presuming, you know, like I said, we're talking about teaching people to do this. There is not a just passive learning of these principles. It, it's, it's Some people, they may, right? But you know that concept. You've understood that concept. You just elucidated because of something Carlos Pellegrini took the time to try to teach you. Right. And and it's it's actively taught. It's not just imbued by, you know, spending, you know, 100 hours in the hospital. Right. Yeah, I mean, these are not, as you said, fixed attributes, right? Like, you're not... I mean, some people are probably, you know, have higher EQs and are more sure. empathetic at baseline, but these are not unteachable concepts. These are, these are just like we have a construct for how you approach a laparotomy. We have a, we can have a construct for how you teach professionals. I mean, this is something I thought it was f- fascinating about you. I mean, you, you come at this from a, a background in theology and mm-hmm. philosophy, but you have, you've thought critically about, you know, how do you create a curriculum that teaches this? but that maybe can't, you know, an, a skill that maybe can't be boiled down to, like, a bunch of checkboxes the way, you know, fixing a hernia can be. Correct. You know, and, that, and that's part of this conversation is one of the real challenges we have is assessing how well we do this and, you know, how effective it is. And the truth is that we may not know, you know, we may not be able to say, yes, I have trained the residents in this example. We have trained the residents to all be perfect tens. But I think we can say that we have trained the residents to be better than they were when they started. Mm-hmm. Are they? I, that, that's, I think, the best we can truly hope for right now is to try to – because this is going to continue to build. You mentioned it really, I think, really well, you know, really importantly, that this doesn't stop. We're educating people on how to do this forever. I'm still learning. I'm not learning how to do an appendectomy. I know how to do an appendectomy. But I'm still learning how to be a professional. I think that role of – role models, identifying, and I think we all know who our role models are, following in their footsteps, but trying to do it in a, in a somewhat systematic way where we say, well, critically, like, what is it about my role models that yeah. is good? How do I emulate them in, in good moments and in bad? Right. You're right. And, and the role model thing, you know, something that didn't come out, and it came out sort of obliquely today, but you know, we're trying to transpose a role model's behaviors. You know, we, many of our role models, you know, we we learn from passively, and 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 the problem with that is that, it, you know, we watch them react to a certain situation. That's fine if that exact same situation comes up, and I consider them a role model. I do what they would do. Right. But the challenge is, technology changes, the world changes, patient expectations change. I'm not going to be challenged by the same things my role models were challenged by. If someone chooses me as a role model, they're going to be challenged by totally different things. And so it's important not to just know what they did in that situation, but why they did it. So the principles that motivated somebody to do what they did, and that's part of what this educational curriculum is. I think 
probably the way you and I trained, this was all very passive. Mm -hmm. You just picked out the people you thought were terrific and tried to do everything in your power to be a shadow of what they were. Right. Which is the best we could do. But I think we could do better now. Yeah. And what does that look like? So I think it's being intentional. That's probably the most important part of this. It's not that time intensive. So residents actually are sponges in this situation. They really would like this guidance and they want to hear what we say. So it's th- it's creating situations like small group discussions where you go over these vignettes and let not just lecturing the residents about what the right response is, but trying to understand why they make the choices they do. And one of the good examples of this or one of the best examples we have is, you know, if we do um, a discussion, uh, social media posting, Mm. you know, can you limit what trainees post on social media? If they are a resident in your program, can you limit what they post? Do they represent you? And, And there definitely are some rules around that. There's some codified principles there. You, know, you can't post pictures of patients and that sort of thing. That's just absolutely not allowed. Right. But it gets much more subtle than that. And when we have discussions around that, it becomes really clear that two principles come out, I would say, at least two. The, the residents have the same essential values as we do about this. They, they get it. They, they're not... They, they take this seriously. They don't want to be seen as buffoons. And yeah. they, they get it. They understand that. This concept of expression and free expression is different today than it was 30, 40 years ago. And they kind of don't want to be told not to do it. Mm-hmm. So right. they agree so with free you. Free speech versus. They agree with right, you, yeah. but they want to make that decision. And I respect that. I think that's really thoughtful. Um, you know, is you know do, if you have an approach like that, are, are there going to be situations where you have to you know ask somebody to take something down? Probably. My guess is you'll probably have fewer inappropriate posts to begin with because they'll really understand why it's important. I mean, in some ways, professionalism right, can be the the path of least resistance Correct. if you're given the tools to make the path. Thoughtful comment. Right. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I I feel like we could go on and on, but you've got a full day ahead of you, and it's just wonderful to have the opportunity to, uh, to talk, and I hope we get a chance to get you back here again soon. I enjoyed it. Thank you for doing it. Next time on The Surgery Set, I speak with Dr. Leslie Ashburn Nardo from Purdue. She's an expert on stereotypes and prejudice, particularly the more subtle, often implicit forms, and the implications that those biases have for intra- and intergroup judgments and health and well-being. We talk about strategies for confronting prejudice and discrimination in medicine. Don't miss it. The Surgery Set is a production of the Department of Surgery at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. This episode was produced by Chelsea Johnson and me, Jonathan Kohler. It was recorded by Chris Hansen and edited by Elizabeth DiNovella. Our theme song is On Wisconsin, arranged and produced by Jamie Schmidt. I encourage you to visit us at surgery.wisc.edu, where you can find links to Grand Rounds, free CME credits, and more. You can also check out the UW School of Medicine and Public Health video library for a wide range of medical education resources at videos.med.wisc.edu. In addition, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. And of course, you can follow us on social media. You can like our Facebook page and also find us on Twitter at Whisk Surgery. And I'm at J.E. Kohler, K-O-H-L-E-R. 
please feel free to let us know how we're doing, rate and review us on your podcast app, and don't hesitate to let us know of any topics you'd like us to cover. Thanks, and we hope you check back soon. Oh, Wisconsin.